Welcome to Parlay Me Power Players. This is a podcast that explores the latest entrepreneurs, startups, founders, business leaders, and even enterprises that are changing the game. We call them the disruptors. You might see them as your mentors or maybe even your colleagues, but we are so excited to bring to you each week someone we find either fascinating, progressive, or someone that's really making changes in all kinds of industries. We are agnostic in what we cover, so we cover everything from mobility to AI to food and produce, you name it, we cover it. But most importantly, we want to showcase to you entrepreneurs that are really making a difference and making the world a better place. Hi folks and welcome to Parlay Me Power Players podcast. We're very excited to have a very special guest on the show today. We have Isabel Penzini, who is building something new to improve the lives of Latin Americans by making tools that educate and enable them to grow their wealth. Curious to learn more? Well, join us today as we chat all things wealth creation to running your own startup, fundraising, fundraising and finding that perfect market fit. So Isabel was born in Caracas, Venezuela. She studied psychology and political science at the University of Pennsylvania, has a micro master's in data science from Georgia Tech, and is certified in portfolio management from the Walton School of Business. She worked in marketing and advertising technology at Visa for Latin America and most recently led the strategy for global data products. She's the founder of Ola, which we'll be talking about a lot today, whose mission is to enable Latin Americans to grow their wealth by investing, saving and learning. In addition, she's on the board of Inveden Foundation, which provides children in Venezuela access to education, which is something that's very dear to Isabel's heart. So it was in 2018 that Isabel moved to San Francisco, where she started out as a digital and field marketing intern at Visa and worked her way up to become director of digital marketing. So that's quite an achievement in itself. It's safe to say Isabel, at the age of 30, is a seasoned digital marketing expert in the finance sector. So to start off, I'd love to learn more about how this University of Pennsylvania psychology and political science grad decided to start OLA and with a mission to improve the lives, as we said, of Latin Americans by making tools that educate and most of all, enable them to grow their wealth. So welcome, Isabel, to Parlay Me Power Plays podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you today. It's so lovely to have you here and definitely for a startup that has such an amazing cause. So I'd love to start off um, firstly by learning just a little bit about you for those that are listening. So could you tell us um, a little bit about, I guess, your background prior to starting Ola and how you became a thought leader in the fintech industry. For sure. So I am originally from Venezuela, and if you've been tracking the news about what's going on over there, we've had over nine zeros or so deleted from our currency. So it's been a wild ride of political instability, economic instability, and for me, the real success of it all was my parents' um, financial education, financial literacy. So they had diversified assets. They were investing outside of Venezuela. And that's why I'm here today telling you the story. So when I moved to the United States as an immigrant, I encountered so many issues such as I couldn't get a credit card. I could barely get a debit card. I'm starting to listen to things about like the stock market. And what I quickly realized was I wasn't alone. There's millions of people here just like me that we moved to the United States that have suffered all these consequences of political and economic instability in our countries. And that made me really sort of take matters into my own hand and try to see how can I spread a little bit of this financial literacy across everyone's life? Because I truly believe that if someone is in control of their like economic well-being and their financial future, they really be better off. So I, as a side hobby, besides my work at Visa, I started a newsletter, a podcast, and a radio show, all dedicated to teaching others about finance and about managing your, your personal wealth. And um, we started getting a lot of feedback that the content is great, but how can I do more than just learn? So that's sort of how Ola started. 
And that's what our goal is today, to really empower people to take money into their own hands and grow their wealth while they focus on doing the things they love. I love that. It's so important. So your story, this is something that runs true to you. You've experienced it firsthand and you've come up with a solution, which I think is often the best way, like the most successful startups. It's something that you've actually encountered a problem with and you find a solution for. So this is brilliant. Something um, that I know that, you know, passion, you mentioned it, passion for finance um, runs in your family. Um, And correct me if I'm wrong, but you had a podcast with your father uh, before starting Follow. Is that correct? Yeah. So can you tell us more about this and how, I guess, that fueled your passion for building your own startup? Yeah. So my dad was a stockbroker. He worked in UBS and in a bunch of other companies here in the United States before we moved to Venezuela when when I was younger. And that sort of enabled my interest um, into like this whole finance world. And he actually wrote a book in Spanish, it's called How to Get Out of Your Financial Crisis, because this was in back in like 2008 when the financial crisis was happening. And he always had a way yeah. of explaining like a, like difficult terms, just very simple terms that really had an impact on me growing up. And I started to become more and more interested in this. And there were two things I realized. One is there weren't a lot of people my age talking about this. And two, there weren't many women talking about this either. So I partnered with my dad and we began, we have a radio, like a fixed radio program. It's called Penzini Squared because we're both last name Penzini. And that started a podcast and now we have like a newsletter. And really the goal is to sort of communicate all of this like practical advice for financial literacy. And it's interesting because it's like in two perspectives. It's a little bit older generation and a younger generation. So sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree, but I think people really first of all, like to see that bond of like a father-daughter um, relationship. And then two, they like the two different points of view because I think, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting because like they tend to say like women are more like risk averse and and you can see that like comparison in the in his way of thinking versus mine. Um, but then he's older, so he's like closer to retiring than I am. So it's just like very, I don't I think people really welcome this, this interaction and and something as dense and heavy as like finance is we try to keep things super light and calm and engaging and entertaining just because it should be accessible to everyone you don't need five degrees and understanding anything to be able to you know invest you need to really believe in a few companies have a few key terms like under control and if you just take matters into your own hand and start little by little um, you'll you'll be very successful. And that's sort of the message that we're trying to spread together. I love this. And how can people find, I guess, old episodes? And are you going to be bringing back this podcast anytime? Yes. So um, we'll talk a little bit about this later. But I think that in order to have a successful company nowadays, especially in the space, you need to do a lot of content, right? Um, it's not just providing yeah. like access to financial tools it's also guiding people how to get started what to do there's a lot of fear associated in this like I don't like it might be gambling or I don't want to lose all my money so the more educated the more content we put out there the better for our consumers because they'll be more informed so definitely in our plans is to relaunch the podcast um, potentially do it together and then more than that we're starting we're going to start a YouTube channel we're hosting our first webinar actually next week um, and it's just how to get started investing in the in the stock market. So it's basically everything I would have liked to know when I got started. So uh, there's expect a lot of content coming up for sure. Excellent. I love this. So so that brings me to Ola, yeah, um, which is your startup, which is currently in beta at the moment. Um, and you're really formulating and honing in on your market fit. Um, I guess I want to talk about like the process so far for you. Um, being a first-time founder, um, how has the, I guess, everything from, and this is a lengthy question, but <laughs> as best as you can from the fundraising process been, and can you tell us a little bit about the founding team and building that core team as well? Yeah, for sure. So 
starting Ola is was a passion project that I've had for many years, and I finally got the courage um, to actually go for it. And one of the first things that I did was actually join a program called OnDeck. And OnDeck, it's not necessarily an accelerator, but it's a community of founders that they come in and you sort of connect. And that was really interesting to me because this is sort of a lonely journey being a founder. And I think other founders can relate, but there's so many companies that are popping up, so many interesting people doing things that it's really good to connect with other people that are in the same space as you. And you can ask questions like, what is a 409 valuation? Like, how did you do this? How did you talk to investors for the first time? And, and fundraising, especially it's such a like complex subject that you really need to put a process together, learn about it, manage your emotions and go through it because fundraising is a necessary evil, but you know, it's, it's really hard because you might get 10% of yeses if you're lucky and 90% of people you speak to are going to tell you no. Um, and you have to be okay with that because like you, that 10%, that's going to say yes. And you're going to just prove the other 90% wrong. And, you know, yeah. And it's hard sometimes as a Latino women, the numbers are not in my favor, right? You have less than 2% of money being allocated to a founder like me. So that can either put you in a state you're like, oh, I'm destined to, to fail at this or really say, you know what, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. And that's what I'm here. My goal is to prove everyone wrong, to say like Latino female founders can actually build really successful companies. And we're going to try really hard because of this grit that we have and, you know, learn along the way and ask for help too. That's astounding that you just mentioned 2% of female Latino fund. Like that's just, when I hear those stats, I mean, you know, you kind of know there's an issue and, but when you hear the stats, you're like, we have so far to go. So good on you for stepping out there and doing it. And yeah, you have to have very thick skin <laughs> to, oh, yeah. to take these nose and just keep going. Um, oh, wow. That's amazing. Sorry, carry on. Yes. And, and about your founding team, we'd love to hear about how you created that and how you went about choosing your team. Yeah, for sure. So it's a very, I think, COVID story because my team, we've all just met online. I have an incredible CTO. His name is Jerome, who was actually, he's founded already two startups previously. He had two exits. And most recently he was doing open source development. His latest project is backed up by Stripe. And I actually found him because I was looking through like GitHub, like I kind of had the profile of the person that I wanted and I sent him a tweet and I was like, Hey, would you be interested in this? And our first conversation, I thought I was interviewing him, but he was actually interviewing me. And he said, he was like, Oh no, I'm open source. I don't want to join any company. I'm like, okay, just give us a chance and we'll see how this relationship um, goes. And I think he became really passionate. We started working really well together and he saw the opportunity of not only establishing like a really good company, but having a, a meaningful impact in people's lives. And now he became full-time CTO. Um, and then after like five months of working together, or maybe a little bit less, we just met for the first time two weeks ago um, and had a little working session. So that was amazing. And then Alejandro, who's our head of mobile development, and he's managing product too. We also, I posted the job posting on Hacker News and he reached out. He sent me like a, a few people reached out, but he really took the time to write like an amazing like letter, just stating why he was so passionate about this and why he was the right person to work with. So he came on board and right now it's the three of us and we have a few like external designers and, and branding and community managers, but this is like the core team that we're starting this. And I think it's, we've done great so far. So yep. hopefully we'll get out of private beta really soon. Um, I'm expecting that to be ready in January. So hopefully you guys can check it out and download it and start using it. Oh, brilliant. Yes, indeed. So keep, keep your eyes peeled people. It is coming to a app store near you soon. Um, to someone listening to this podcast and feeling inspired to do a startup, <laughs> you know, this is what we want to inspire people. We don't want to, you know, it is hard grit, but if you've got a great idea, persevere. What advice yeah. would you give them about managing, I guess, launch expectations and really finding that ideal customer? Because we all know when we start off a startup, 
it evolves, yeah, even from the idea to concept to launch, um, the whole thing, it can shift. So I guess Correct. any, um, yeah, how, how people should manage those expectations. <laughs> yeah, I think that when you start out, you have this idea and the people that really win are the ones that are more flexible with that idea. Yeah. I think the key thing that has helped me is always talk to your consumers. Like who are your users? Who are the people that you're targeting and talk to them because you'll learn so much of what their needs are. Sometimes their needs are not what you expect, but something completely different. So I would say if you have an idea, be flexible about the idea, go talk to your potential users. Um, There's many, many books out there about how to do it. There's one um, style I like, it's called the mom test. And it's basically like, if I were to ask someone about like, like money or money management, you would start out with like a very vague question. Like, tell me like, what have you done with your money your entire life? How have you saved? And then start like drilling down on the problem from there. I think that the, there's many books on this. One I recommend is the hard thing about hard things. And one of the main learnings is that the most successful entrepreneurs are actually the ones that don't give up. They just keep going because they're not necessarily passionate about this one idea, but passionate about the problem that they're trying to solve and the target market that they're trying to reach and their users. So things can shift along the way. Like, for example, Coinbase right now, it's so trending out there. But when it started, it it was no way, shape or form what it is now. And they just learn from their consumers and they push forward. So I would encourage everyone that wants to start a company to, to really start it because I think I've learned more in the past few months than I have in like my entire career. So um, it's definitely not for everyone because you have many ups and downs, but I think that you, and if you're like not entirely sure, then join an early stage startup. There's also a lot to learn. Um, you know, we're always hiring, so feel free to reach out to me if you're passionate about this. <laughs> there you go, guys. If you if you want to dip your feet in, so to speak, and um, you're not ready to start your own, but join a startup and get a feel for the startup culture and what it is to run uh, a team from the ground up. So um, my next question is that we've all heard, well, we most of us have heard of these wealth creation apps and platforms such as like Robinhood, e-trade and there's a there's many on the market um but what is it about ola that i guess differentiates itself from these apps and i mean we've talked about your target market being different but maybe you could you're better at explaining it than i am (laughs) i'm just like yeah how it how it is different to other apps and products on the market in your space yeah so um right now there's 60 million u.s hispanics or people from latin america that live in the united states about 70% of them speak Spanish at home as their first language, which is huge. It's like the size of Brazil, basically. It's an entire economy on its own. And what happens is that because our countries don't have such an advanced like stock market or retirement plans, you see numbers where it's only like 20% of Hispanics invest compared to about 60% of non-Hispanics. So there's like a 40% gap there and people think like, oh, it's because Hispanics might not have as much money. And that's not necessarily the case. We found three main reasons about why this is the way it is. The first reason is um, many Hispanics have informal jobs, so they don't have like employee sponsored retirement plans. So they basically just keep their money in their savings account. The second reason is they have lack of education on the subject. There's not a lot of representation in in the content that's out there. Some have started to do it and where they put like more like darker colored skin people in ads and they call him Juan or Jose, but it's more than that, you know, it's more than just putting someone on an ad. And then the third reason is that a lot of these people don't have access to what we're calling money mentors or someone in their lives that has sat them down and said, "Listen, like this is a smart way to think about money. This is a smart way to think about growing your wealth. You know, in Latin America, traditionally, it's been like, oh, you buy a car, you potentially buy an apartment, and that's it. You know, that's all you need to think about. The United States has opportunities for growing more than that. So at Ola, we're really nailing down on these key insights, and we're creating a product that's not only 
provides access to these types of tools like buying and selling stocks or, or having retirement accounts, but we're also providing these money mentors or people who speak Spanish that can sit with you and guide you through the process. We want to have access to support like 24-7 also in Spanish through channels that people use like WhatsApp, for example. And we also are creating a lot of content that's easy to understand and it's in Spanish. We're partnering with a lot of... Um, like finfluencers or influencers that are in the fintech space and here in the United States and they have a following that's huge and it's like over 500,000 a million people just signing up listening to these videos just because they have no one else to talk about about that so we think that existing products are not really catering to their needs and this is why the gap is so big and we're trying to change that and I think that the more we get consumers the more we talk to them the better we'll create products for them brilliant no it's so clever I mean what you're doing is so important um, and it clearly needs to happen it's such a as you mentioned a huge demographic and there's a need um, for it so um, I, I met you actually through hustle found mentor program which has been an amazing experience um, can you speak to how I guess you've combined various you spoke to it like accelerators um, startup communities mentorship education um, with whilst you've been, you know, all fundraising and and building the app and everything behind the scenes, um, I guess how has this been beneficial to your growth? Um, I'd just love to hear a bit about that. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for mentoring me. By the way, it has been oh, amazing because yeah. <laughs> as a founder, you have to wear many many hats and you have to be able to switch context at any given time. I can go from a call where I'm talking about like finances and, and how the company is doing in terms of money and fundraising and jump on a call where I'm talking to our community manager, developing the next content or post that's going to go out there. And then talking to doing QA with the engineers and defining the product roadmap. So I think that you need to wear a lot of hats, at least especially at the beginning when you're starting and the team is so lean and you can't necessarily be an expert in everything. So it's great to surround yourself with people who really are experts and can help you and guide you and teach you. Um, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you need to ask for a lot of help. There's no way you can do this on your own and having access to people like you, for example, that have been ha helping me a lot with like content and like media strategy and like a PR strategy. And then having someone that has a lot of expertise in creating funds and having someone that has a lot of expertise in, in engineering and, and deciding what software and to use and what products to use. Um, it's really important. So I think if I had advice for founders, it's always make sure to ask for help and, network and talk to as many people as possible. I think that you'll get so much learnings from everyone that's going to help you in your business and help you grow. I think the more out there you put yourself, even though it's scary because you might be like dabbling into a domain that you have no idea about, but you don't need to pretend that you know everything. You just need to surround yourself with people who know more than you do and ask for help when you need it. And um, founder world is so incredible because Everyone is super nice. They're going through the same things as you. So there's so many people that are willing to help out and you just need to ask for it. Absolutely. And I think it's really pivotal to like just have the conversations too because especially if you're, you know, a solopreneur or even if you're a co-founder, you kind of get in your bubble and it's good to speak to outside sources and just have people listen and you articulate. The more you articulate what your mission is and your journey is, you hone down what it actually is and, you know, you can take some outside advice, you can also not take it, but it also it's all about, you know, refining the, the actual startup and getting there. So sure. I, I agree. I think it's super beneficial to speak to people outside and even, um, you know, mentors that might have, you know, you're obviously a fintech startup. I My experience, obviously, I work across all startups, but I'm not fintech centric, but I come with a lot of creative and, like you said, marketing and PR experience, and that can be really beneficial to fintechs. I mean, all businesses need it. So yes. look for look for mentors, not necessarily in your sector. You can you'll be surprised where inspiration comes from. So um, I'd love to ask you: Are there any startups or enterprises that have inspired you over the years? And I guess what type of business models um, have motivated you, or maybe motivate you still? Yeah. So I think there's two 
main ones that I sort of aspire to be. The first one is Stripe. Um, it's also a fintech, but what I love is how they always place consumers first. They make it super easy to sort of come in and get started. And they're very focused on design. When you look at them, it's just beautiful. They're consistent across all of their products. And and even though it's built for like developers, someone like me can truly just come in and read their docs and like really understand what's happening to be able to use it. And they do so many things. They offer such a wide variety of products. Like I even use them recently to incorporate the, the company and then we're using them for payments. We're using them for like a whole series of things. And I just admire the founder so much, how much grit they have, how much they've been, you know, working towards creating an excellent product that really places consumers first. And they're not just, I don't feel like they are because maybe they would have, you know, IPO'd already or something, but they're really placing like the the company, their value. They even have a Stripe Press where they have the most impressive books that you can imagine. Like getting published by Stripe is amazing and it's beautiful. So they're really a company that I admire. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, check out their their press because they have really great um, books. Actually, one that you might be interested in is um, called Get Together. It's all about community. It's an amazing book. Fantastic. And you mentioned that they incorporated. Um, you incorporate help. They helped you incorporate. Can you speak to a bit about that? What's is that a feature they have? Yeah. So they have something called Stripe Atlas. And what that helps you do is create a, I created an LLC. Um, This is like a separate from, it's just a a part of the filings I need to do, but I created an LLC through them and they have, it's called Stripe Atlas and you incorporate in Delaware and it's just a few clicks, super easy to do. Um, I recommend everyone speak to legal before doing anything, but you know, that's just one of the, the products that they offer along their whole vast series of, you know, accepting payments and things like that as well. So that's clever. I mean, because it is, you look up, you think, oh, I've got to incorporate. It's going to be, you know, um, so much money. And, you know, you think I have to get a lawyer, but it is, look, again, seek legal advice. We're not here to tell you exactly <laughs> how to do this. But um, it's, it is relatively easy to sign up online. So it's good that, like, there's companies like Stripe that have a bit, because you, Google it and you're like, there's so many could be like scams. You just don't know. Exactly. You're like, Hang on. So it's good to know that there's Stripe that's, you know, got some weight behind it is doing it. So, all right, good. Excellent. Uh, that's great to know. So I'm going to definitely check out the press section. Yeah. Um, so um, I'd love to know like how the process has been about like creating the app so far from like the dev build to the design to legalities. Um, can you share perhaps, perhaps like some of the highs and lows of this process um, with, our, with our listeners today? For sure. I mean, I think we'll get started with the highs because I'm basically building a product that I would have loved to have when I started my entire investment journey. So it incorporates a lot of like financial education snippets here and there, like really helping you understand what this all means. Like the onboarding flow, like we're putting together like 10 days of hola, welcome. And it's like every day we're sending you a piece of information that's relevant to you. So it's been really exciting to develop this product just because it's, it's like what I would have liked to have when I started this journey. So that's kind of like a high. And then my team is just so amazing. We work together so well. And um, you can tell that they're passionate. Like everyone is passionate about this. So it really makes a difference when, you know, the team is actively working on something that, you know, they felt the need for, they want to change. So I think that's really much been a high. I think the low is that because it's a fintech, it's such a regulated space, especially wealth management, especially things like um, stock uh, purchases. And so just working with legal teams, establishing the right partnerships, making sure the contracts are in place, that has all taken a little bit longer than I would have loved. But, you know, it's part of the process. Once these things are signed, then you're just ready to go. And again, just make sure that you have like, really good lawyers or really good advisors helping you along the way because when something so complicated like dealing with the SEC or like legal you want to make sure that you're doing things correctly Mm, absolutely um oh well you look there's that's so great that you know your team's so passionate because I think that 
is essentially what you need from a yeah, core team sure. that's been, that gets you through the lows as well. Um, how I want to kind of shift gears a bit to content marketing. We spoke to it earlier and Ola, and you have such immense digital marketing experience from Visa. So I'd love to know, um, I guess, how your time at Visa has kind of influenced or impact um, kind of how you're going to shape the marketing campaigns for Ola and what initiatives we can look to see in the future from Ola. For sure. I think my time at Visa, I was there for um, a pretty long time and I did a few different roles. I think the where I first started was like brand marketing, where it was um, making sure that people knew what Visa was, that we were secure, that everything was, you know, like around the world that Visa was accepted, things like that. So that helped me get a lot of brand experience. And I think that's really important today because people love brands. They love what they represent more so with like a Gen Z where it's, you want sustainable brands, you want brands that are good for the world. So having a strong brand is really important. That's the first thing. And then I switch over to the digital marketing team. We actually launched a product called Visa Checkout in Latin America. So I was very much dedicated to like performance marketing and growth. And I think there I learned a lot about how to do experimentation, how to use data to make sure that the products are right, that you're reaching the right segments to create like the the entire user journey. And I started working a lot with data scientists just because Visa's data is so rich and just understanding how data can really help you build better products, create better stories, help you get better content out there. So that's why I sort of shifted into like the data product space where we were making it really easy to take Visa data and like segment um, and, and create better stories for our clients to talk to their consumers about. So I think this, my, my experience with that just has helped me greatly. One, help me understand that I need to build a really strong brand. Um, when you think about financial products, it has to be something that you don't like. It's not a, like something you don't think is a scam. So security has yeah. to be really key. Uh, it has to be related to it's for everyone. It's not just for the few um, and that it's for your future, right? Putting your money to work for you, just understanding the why is it's really important in creating this, this brand that people can relate to. And then second of all, everything related to like growth and where growth is not just, you know, putting an ad on TV, but it's really under making sure that the onboarding process is great and that people are not dropping off or, and your website is optimized correctly and you're winning in search um, and things like that. So I think that has also really helped me create a balance of, you know, you need to work on the brand. You also need to work in performance um, and you also need to have really great content. And if you win in all these three sectors, then then you'll have a really amazing product. Oh, wow. It sounds like your time at Visa was really, um, really important and you learned a lot. I was super lucky, actually, because I started in Latin America as an intern working for like the entire Latin American team. And because Visa is such a like strong brand, we had like big budgets. I started doing important things and they would just put me out there like, go do whatever you want, like go. And then... Wow. Yeah, it was kind of like a sink or swim situation. So it really helped me prepare me for what's to come here too, because this is kind of, you know, sink or swim situation yeah. as well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, Visa is one of the biggest financial institutions in the world. So if you can swim with the best of them there, <laughs> I have full confidence in you with Ola. Um, so tell me, um, and we've talked about this a little bit, um, but like, why do you think, just shifting gears slightly to you know, Latin Americans, which spoken to, like, why do you think they're such, and we probably need another podcast for this, but have been such an underrepresentative, I guess, underbanked um, segment in the US financial markets? Well, I think there's many reasons for it. One is just lack of access. So a lot of people that move to the United States don't necessarily have something called a social security. It's like a tax ID number. And a lot of like banks and institutions require one. So that's sort of a limiting factor where, okay, I don't have a social security number, so I can't get a bank account. And where we're differentiating is we're letting people uh, uh, with an ITIN, which is like a temporary tax ID number, be able to open accounts. So I think that one of them is, is important. And then I think the second 
second one is just a lack of trust in the system. It's not the same thing when you have sort of a white male in a in a suit um, from Wall Street saying like, hey, open your bank account here with us. When someone that has never worn a suit maybe in their life is just looking at them being like, okay, that's not for me. So, and I also think Latin Americans were very much about our families, our communities, our, you know, the people we love and have near us, what everyone else is doing. So if you don't do things that are involve the community, involve your friends and family, involve your people, then you're gonna, you know, stay out of, mm-hmm. stay out of the system. And then I think that also mm-hmm. there hasn't been too much, work done to educate these consumers about the the potential of like what it is to have a financial success story. Um, and that's what we're, we're trying to change and hoping to change. Mm, absolutely. And I mean, so you're tapping into, you know, a huge community, yeah, the Latin American community. So I guess my next question is kind of like, what does Ola offer that other businesses can't to that community? So are you, you know, are you, empowering them are you enabling access like how um does ola i guess other than you know your core features which are so important but how i guess um does it offer uh you know a sense of community as well to this underrepresented community (laughs) yeah i think um it's by hispanics built for hispanics So we really have all of those core insights of what people are looking for. And they're looking for things like, for example, I can't get a loan because I just recently got a social security number. So my credit history is terrible, but the models are not built for like the underwriting models are not built for those types of people. So you're automatically going to get rejected. So how do we build better, like underwriting models that take into account maybe less um, credit history and take more into account things like rent payments or like having a car or things like that. And then if these companies that have like support organizations, sometimes they don't have it in Spanish and sometimes they can't relate to people that speak Spanish. So having like the ability that like, there's a lot of distrust in the financial system still. So having the ability to have one-on-one access and contact to someone where it's like, Hey, I don't know how to do this. Hey, I want to see who I'm talking to. I want to have a person that I can put a name to. Um, It's still like something that's important. Like uh, Hispanics are still going to the bank, depositing their money in cash just because they don't trust it. So making sure that we understand all of these pain points and we build for these consumers is really important to have a product that's built by them. And I still think that it's, U.S. Hispanics are a huge population that's growing. It's growing about like 17 to 20% year over year. It's like the fastest growing minority in the United States. And I think people are starting to realize the potential that this has and they're starting to to like see it. But the thing is that if you're not Hispanic, if you don't understand the segment, you'll think like, oh, it's just putting, you know, uh, taco in an ad and putting some Mexican music and that's it. And it's more than that, you know, where the insights are are stronger than that. So the more representation companies start to have in their boards, in their teams, in the the people that are making decisions, I think the more inclusive it'll start to be with, with the Hispanic community. And there's amazing brands that have brought this vision to life. I know Toyota is doing like a great job of it. Um, there's a bunch of media companies here like Univision, like, that's just taking this like even Ola they launch an Ola um, in Spanish in the United States and they're really seeing the power that these consumers have in and it's really important so I think we'll start to see a shift where there's going to be more companies targeted tailored more and more to this um, this growing demographic just because the potential of it is so huge and it's very smart people educated people hard-working people very community driven very family driven that just want to you know they're looking out for themselves and they want products that that do the same and they want brands that they can relate to and trust and they want to also do do good for their communities and they want to do good for for where they live that's something that's really important to them as well so i think with all these insights we're we're hoping to build a, a product that the latino community is proud of Yes, absolutely. Well, I love that. Uh, Built by Latinos, for Latinos, for Hispanics, by Hispanics. That's really important. Um, 
And I guess, um, you know, something that is very key to a lot of startups and businesses is partnerships, right, and affiliations. So can you speak to any kind of, I mean, I know it's very early days for you guys, so, I mean, you haven't launched yet, but I guess maybe you can speak to some wish list partnerships or affiliations or just like where you see that sector kind of being influential in what you do at Ola? Yeah, so I think this might sound funny to a lot of peers, listeners out there, but, you know, I really want to make sure that we make financial education accessible for everyone. I want to make it mainstream. And one of the best ways to make it actually mainstream is through music. So like Hispanics, Latinos, we love music. There's salsa, merengue, reggaeton, and like we really love our like musicians. So for me, there's two like partnerships that I would love just to make it mainstream. And first one could be something like Bad Bunny. And the second one, someone like Rosalia, who it's people that like the community really admires. They have really made an impact. Like they're one of them, Bad Bunny is from Puerto Rico and he's really made an impact in the United States and everywhere else. I love the name Bad Bunny. (laughs) So yeah, so Bad Bunny, if you're listening, if you want a partnership with Ola, we would love that. Yeah, people need to stop thinking this is just for the few or I'm not smart enough or I don't have enough money. But, you know, we want to make sure everyone knows everyone can be in control of their future if they start by being in control of their wealth. So baby steps. And the more people we have spreading this message to all communities, I think the better we'll all be in the long term. Yeah, for sure. And reaching those communities, I think these partnerships um, that you spoke of, especially in the music sector, will obviously help you reach, um, you know, key, key, key customers. So um, I'd love to, to, my next question, you kind of describe if you can, if you can characterize if Ola was a person, <laughs> so to speak, um, who would it be? Would it be like a 22 year old guy? Would it be a 35 year old woman would it be I don't know an 18 year old like um what do they do on the weekend like what you kind of if you could embody Ola um how would you describe it at the moment and we all know that it'll change it might be different in six months time might be the same yeah um but how is it in your eyes right now so um for me the ideal well not the ideal but the target that we have where we called him Sebastian And he's originally from Colombia. He lives in Orlando. He has two young kids. He's in his early 30. He's in Spanish, in English classes right now because he knows some, but he's really trying to improve. And he's actually, um, he has, he's graduated. He has uh, a degree in like um, social communications, but is just moved to the United States and is finding his way around. And he's currently an Uber driver. So this is the ideal, well, not ideal, but the the consumer that we're targeting after because there's so much potential that he has. He's just getting started and, you know, he's looking out for the well-being of his family, how to improve, how to grow, and Ola's here to help him. Brilliant. Yes. Well, there we go. You're definitely uh, solving a problem and creating access. And it sounds like um, Sebastian is, was that his name? Yeah, Sebastian, Sebastian in Spanish. <laughs> yes, you, you pronounce it much better. He needs Ola. So this is brilliant. This is what you're building. Um, a, a question I had is, will Ola include include uh, crypto and alternative assets management or um, kind of, I guess, what type of, you know, De Niro will we be working with? On Ola. Yeah, so I think any fintech now that sort of wants to succeed has to have a crypto slash alternative investments play because that's really where it seems that the future is going or at least the near future. So we can think about it in terms, I'm thinking about it at least, in terms of how do you enable remittances through a crypto play. Like right now, a lot of Hispanics in the United States send money back to their families in Mexico, to their families in Guatemala. And they're doing it through traditional things like Western Union or 
you know, other companies that just have really high fees and it's really inefficient and the money might arrive or might not arrive. So how do we change that? How do we make it really simple with a few clicks of a button in your cell phone or a message through WhatsApp? You're actually sending these funds and not having to pay exorbitant fees um, in the banks or through a company like Western Union in, in order to, to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an important like play for crypto and remittances. And the other way I'm thinking about it is I've been getting really interested in the DeFi space just because Hispanics we tend to like when in, in our countries, we usually have like a pension fund or a high yield savings account. That's what we're sort of used to investing in. And DeFi sort of, if you package it correctly, it provides the ability to, you know, come in and save some money and have like really high yield returns. So maybe there is a, a play for that. But, you know, as a startup founder, you want to do everything. <laughs> so you need to break it up into pieces and listen to your consumers and give them what they want. But But, you know, baby steps. But I really do think that lots of fintechs should be thinking about what is their crypto strategy in order to be successful in this changing, changing world. Excellent. Yes. Uh, Phases. We do phase one, phase two, different features you roll out. That's that's really important. So that's great. Thank you for that. Um, I'd love to know, um, I, I guess this is kind of like pie in the sky sort of stuff as well, but if you could bring anyone in the world as a brand on as a brand ambassador for Ola, who would it be? I'm, I mean, you spoke to Bad Bunny, <laughs> but is there anyone else out there that you're like, wow, they would be, that would be great to be like the face and the voice of um, Ola? Yeah, so I think that what I'm doing now is um, enabling all of these small community leaders, like these micro influencers, and giving them really the tools that they need to be able to influence their community. I've been very impacted by the power of what a small connection can have. And what we're trying to do is make sure we create like really good like affiliate programs or, you know, where we really enable and put people at the forefront of this because I think more than trusting one person you can trust your cousin or your friend or your uncle that really enables you to happen so my ideal way for Ola's message to be spread is many small community leaders to really own Ola as their own and be and wanting to make this impact in their families in their community and say hey this is here this is why it's going to be important for you and everyone come and join So I guess it's a lot of nano influencers, what they're called now, spreading the story would be my ideal scenario for Ola. Yes, I think that's smart because I think a lot of brands too often put their, well, they have big paychecks and they can put a big paycheck in front of a, you know, huge voice or ambassador, which, you know, obviously has a huge reach and is great, but the end of the day, end of the day that's one voice um, and one brand and I think you're right if you can diversify and reach many and grow more organically so to speak I think that's a really smart strategy too so well done in 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 getting to that and and be actually rolling that out I know you've got your Instagram and I can't wait to see what's going to be happening at Ola in the next few months leading up to your launch so um this brings me to a bit more, um, a couple of questions we always have at Parlay Me. So the, <laughs> hang in there, we're just about wrapping up. But um, is there an entrepreneur, I guess, that's inspired you? Now, this could be someone we know, like anyone from like a Richard Branson, or it could be someone in your family. Um, you spoke to your father earlier, so I know you've given him a big shout out. You can certainly shout him out again. Um, it could be, you know, someone we don't know, um, but someone that I guess is the kind of the pinnacle, if you will, of what it is to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, so actually I'm very fond of David Vélez. He's the founder, one of the founders, co-founder of Nubank. And I love the brand that he built. I love how he really listened to consumers to provide, like to solve needs. And if you hear just his story, I've listened to a few podcasts, um, just interviews that he's had, he's always placed the consumers first. So I really admire him for that. And he did something that was really, really hard. Everyone told him that he wasn't going to be able to do it because he had to deal with a lot of regulation. Newbank is a new bank in Brazil, who's actually like about to IPO really soon. And he never gave up. He just 
just kept fighting and he knew what he was doing was important and big. So I really admire him for that. And another reason that I really admire him is that he recently said he was going to donate a large percentage of his new fortune to helping others in need. So he's donating it to charitable organizations, some of them related to education. So when you have someone that's so smart, trying to make a change in the world, and at the same time, with his luck and with his fortune, giving it back to helping others, I think that's something that's incredible. And I don't think he's just doing it for, you know, branding. I think he honestly you know, he really, he, he really believes in it. And that's super important. And he's also an immigrant. He um, is originally from Colombia. He moved to Brazil. He started this um, in Brazil. And that's really admirable because when you're an immigrant, you have even more challenges. Um, so he's someone I really respect and admire. Awesome. Well, there, there you go, guys. If you didn't hear about him before, you've heard about him now, look him up. Sounds like a super inspiring guy. It sounds like he's in it for the long haul instead of the short run. So um, our last question, and we're not endorsing gambling, but <laughs> if we were to ask you, um, would would you, say you went into a casino and you had to have a flutter, uh, would you be a blackjack, a roulette, or a poker player? I'd say roulette because although in life there are many things you can control, I believe there's even more that you can't control. So it's a good representation of, you know, you trying to do the best you can, but life handling itself. Yes. However, it, it, it will handle itself. So I think I... Sometimes you have to leave it to chance, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, I like that. I like that. So it's always nice to ask because... Um, it's just a nice insight to how people operate and um, it's not to say, you know, um, it's it's how you operate in business, but it's just interesting to know. So thank you. And, again, we're not endorsing gambling people or performing gamble. That's entirely up to you. Um, but so I want to um, say thank you so much, Isabel, for your time. It's been such a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Um, and the, for those listening that want to know more, pay, perhaps they want to join your team, perhaps they want to invest in your startup, perhaps they want to know when you launch, um, how is the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, for sure. So you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Isa, I-S-A Penzini. Or you can follow the company, which is in Spanish, but it's Hola Invierte. So O-L-A-I-N-V-I-E-R-T-E. So you can find us across um, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, always available. And I love talking to other founders. I love talking to people that have had, you know, struggles in their managing their money. I love talking to everyone. So please reach out, learn more. And if you have any questions or want a little push to get started or anything at all, just please feel free to reach out. And thank you so, so much for having me here. It has been a pleasure. Absolutely. And most importantly, what is the ad? I know you guys haven't launched yet, but the website for Ola, for those that want to sign up, um, you know, for when, uh, get a notification when you guys do launch, where do they go to? It's holainvierte.com. So, if it were in English, it'd be holainvest.com, but just in Spanish, O-L-A-I-N-V-I-E-R-T-E.com. Oh, excellent. Well, there you go, guys. Um, check it out. Isabel, it's been such a pleasure to have you on here. Um, I can't wait to see your growth. I know it's going to be an amazing app, um, and I'm so happy to have met you on your journey. Um, and, and we will hopefully do another podcast, you know, in a year or so when you're doing successfully well um and, and have another another more learnings and another update so until then um all the best and i will speak to you and hear from you soon <laughs> yes next time hopefully we'll, we'll be talking about scaling <laughs> exactly exactly we're going to be reading about you and all the all the papers all the press so no, it's all happening thank you so much for your time isabel i really appreciate it